0: It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie.
1: Coming up on episode number one of Sports Day Plus. At 1045, I'm taking a look back on week four of the NFL. At 10:15, it is the first of a two-segment chat with comedian Brad Williams ahead of his shows at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. And coming up in seconds, I recap the Longhorns win over Kansas last Saturday and look ahead to Texas OU in Dallas this Saturday. I am your host, Trey Elling. You can give me a follow on Twitter at CourtesyWave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. Before we get going with the sports talk, this late afternoon did want to acknowledge the fact that this is show number one for sports day plus and i do need to give a quick thank you to the powers that be at waterloo media for moving me from 10 to 11 at night where i have happily done the night talker over the last six months to what can only be seen as a better time slot a slot where many of you are actually awake and maybe still in your cars at this time. So I do look forward to helping the late afternoon commute home from work or maybe from home to youth sports activities or home to restaurant to eat for dinner. Hope to make that drive a little bit more enjoyable Can't call it Night Talker anymore, unfortunately, or fortunately, because it's not on into the night, but I figure Sports Day Plus is apropos, because we will be talking plenty of sports, especially during football season, and I am going to take the opportunity to do some other things. That's where the plus comes in. That does include big-time interviews. Excited to have comedian Brad Williams on here in a little bit. He is a guy who's been making Austinites laugh for a number of years now. And then, yes, my regular attempts to figure out why humans are so dang stupid at times. So thank you to Bob, Bruce, Steve, Whitney, Mark, really everybody else who was a part of the decision to move me up. The latter just a little bit here on 1027 ESPN. And yeah, you can be very sure that I will continue to utilize the names ESPN and Austin and afternoon drive time as effectively as possible in booking big time guests. One of my favorite things to do in broadcasting after all is to conduct those conversations. So expect more of those coming your way. Did want to start the first episode with what is my favorite team and my favorite sport. That would be the Texas Longhorns in college football. And it's been an exciting year for Texas football so far. No other way to put it. I realize things aren't perfect. They very rarely are in sports, by the way. Keep that in mind. This has been a joy of a team to watch so far this year. Obviously, that win in Tuscaloosa was a huge moment for this program in week two showed folks locally and nationally what these guys are capable of and why it's okay to believe this year where you may be reluctant to do so based on experiences in the past. I get it, Longhorn fans. Many of us suffer from an affliction that I have labeled University of Texas Stress Disorder or UTSD. It manifests itself in a variety of ways. For me, it's turned me into more of a pessimist with this program than I normally am. But I'm trying an experiment this year based on what my eyeballs are seeing with this football team, specifically how good the defense is and how even if the offense is having a bad day, the defense will most likely be keeping you in games into the second half and give the offense a chance to find its footing. If things aren't there early on, this is a concept that we've seen play out time and time again so far this year, but the offense has been better and we've seen gradual improvements. As a matter of fact, this win last weekend over Kansas was another good example of that. Were things perfect in the first half? They certainly weren't. But when you consider a couple of things, one, Texas didn't punt in the entire game. So even though you're a little bit frustrated about this team, not getting into the end zone more consistently when they make it into the red zone they are sustaining drives and ultimately wearing down opposing defenses to where that task becomes a little bit easier later in the game but the offense is finding success before they get into the 20 and sometimes within the 20 but that defense is stout and they have had a run of luck with regards to playing backup quarterbacks or guys who end up get getting benched the week after the Texas game, in the case of Jalen Milroe you have to deal with that which is in front of you. And while it was a bummer that Jalen Daniels did not get to play quarterback for the Kansas Jayhawks on Saturday, Texas had to deal with Jason Bean, a guy who has ridiculous speed, who quite honestly, because of his presence with that option attack that Kansas rolled out there early on, Kansas was find, finding some running lanes and having success running the ball on this long Longhorn football team. But the defense eventually got it together, and more importantly, the offense kept sustaining drives. This team's ability to play complementary football allowed them to pull away in the end, like we have seen multiple times this year. Defensively, there were maybe a few individual standouts But it was also one of those games where it felt like there really wasn't that standout. This team just went out there and did its job and moves on now to the next biggest game of the year. And I won't say the last big game that this team will play in the regular season because I do think that Kansas State will have some say-so before it's all said and done. And that game is here in Austin in November. This is the last time you're going to play a ranked team for about a month. You get the bye week after OU, but this is a rivalry game. This is a game where you crushed the spirit of your rivals last year, and they're looking to exact some revenge. And while nobody is totally sure as to what we should expect out of Oklahoma, like they've looked more impressive than not in a majority of their wins this year, The Cincinnati game was a bit fluky, but there was also some suspect officiating in that one. And yeah, Cincy quarterback Emory Jones was not very good in that game. If they had better quarterback play, Cincinnati may very well have won that game. Oklahoma is definitely better this year. And if nothing else, they will be playing this game with Dylan Gabriel at quarterback. Whereas last year he missed the game and they had no options backing him up. The options were hot garbage, which helped lead to a 49-0 Texas victory. Glorious moment for me as somebody who's been in that stadium, watching that game around 30 times in my life now. The biggest beatdown that I've ever seen, the Longhorns lay on the Sooners. That's not going to happen again this year. I still think Texas is the better team, and ultimately, not just because of my Longhorn bias... But because I look at where each of these teams are on both sides of the ball, I think Texas does win the game again and probably wins it going away. It'll be much closer than last year. And a lot of that has to do with Dylan Gabriel. The fact that he is one of the top quarterbacks in this conference, looks like he's healthy right now, looks like he is on a better page with his receivers, and you've seen Oklahoma do a good job of trying to plug some holes through the transfer portal. And I think they've done that. Now, one thing to keep in mind if you're a Longhorn fan, there are two injuries here that we are cautiously optimistic about hearing an update on Thursday. That would be tight end Jatavian Sanders, who gets rolled up on in the first half of the Kansas game. Looked like a knee issue to me initially, but according to the insider sites, it's more of an ankle thing. He will try to give it a go by Thursday, and I think expect him to play and then cornerback Ryan Watts because Oklahoma is really good at throwing the deep ball although they probably haven't done it enough up to this point considering Dylan Gabriel's accuracy Ryan Watts may have to miss the game too I believe with a lower body injury and if so that's going to force Malik Muhammad the freshman into more of a crucial role on an enormous stage but I expect him to live up and pass that test with flying colors all right we'll get back into the football talk coming up in a couple of segments but up next it is stand-up comedian brad williams he is headlining at cap city comedy club this weekend he'll join me for two segments starting next
0: it's sports day plus with trey ellie it's sports day plus with trey ellie
1: Brad Williams is a longtime stand-up comedian who is bringing his talents back to Austin this weekend, headlining at Cap City Comedy Club October 5th through 7th. If you're around town and want to check out a show, go to capcitycomedy.com for tickets and more info. Brad, thank you so much for the time. How you doing today?
2: Wonderful. They say keep Austin weird, and uh, I, I think we're doing that right now. We're, ha- we're having a dwarf come into town and tell jokes the same week as Austin City Limits. So, yeah, it's going to get really weird in Austin, Texas this
1: weekend. Yeah, and you also have Texas OU, which is up in Dallas, but that's just one more reason why people are going to be extra fired up and probably a little bit lubricated for your shows on Saturday at Cap City Comedy Club too, Brad. Totally fine.
2: Uh uh be all uh, be all the all types of lubricated. That's fine. Uh, th- th- uh as my grandma would always tell me, a a little lube never hurt anybody. (laughs) That's horrifying.
1: (laughs) No, no, that's a perfect tone for the rest of this conversation. Now, (laughs) I usually like to start by asking comedians if they have any experience in Austin, but I know you have experience in Austin. You've done Cap City before. I don't know if you've done the new location yet, but you are also a regular participant at the Moon Tower Comedy Festival. So where does Austin rank for you in terms of places that you get to travel to perform your art?
2: Oh, Austin's great. Uh, My favorite cities in the country to perform comedy are blue cities in the middle of red states. Now, I'm not particularly a political comedian. I don't really talk about it too much, but just that sort of mindset and that balance. So like you have your Austin's, your Denver, Colorado's, like those types of places, uh, Seattle, Washington, like those are always really great comedy cities. Cause there's like that balance, like it's not too far one side or the other. And uh, I'm great. I'm, I'm great when it's, when, when it's just down the middle and uh, they have kind of influences on both sides. So Austin's always great. And the fact that the whole slogan is keep Austin weird perfect uh, as as a dwarf comedian i walk around austin i'm not the fifth weirdest thing on sixth street that's for darn <laughs> sure so uh i'm good i love i i love the town and always have fun performing there
1: yeah the weirdest guy downtown right now is always the machete we, uh, wielding homeless guy so yeah
2: the, now is it the same guy from california does he does he do a tour because there's a guy out in venice that that that's been doing the same thing so maybe that's just his thing he he, he, it is it is october so it's like halloween month maybe he's doing his
1: best mike myers on meth impression
2: i'm not quite sure but uh yeah uh that that is always the scariest thing if
1: it is if it is the same guy i mean my goodness dude lighten up you figured out the teleportation thing (laughs) life is good for you right now
2: yeah no kidding
1: (laughs) So uh, have, have you had a chance to perform at the new Cap City yet? I know you were a part of the old location because the Helium people yeah. came in and reopened the club and it is a beautiful space for comedy.
2: Yeah. Uh, so if you're looking behind me oh, over my left shoulder, uh, the top album there was was was, was recorded at the original Cap, uh, Cap City Comedy Club. And then I was there for the first time this past year at the Moon Tower Comedy Festival And yeah, it's really great. I love the fact there's a balcony. The comedian is just hit by a wall of sound. It's fantastic. That whole shopping center where the new club is just has a a little bit of everything. Uh, I think I'm going to check out there. There's this spa there that has like this, like, it's the man spa. Come in when you manly spa things. We don't have those floral body wraps. We don't do that. We cover your body in whiskey and light you on fire. Like it, it's some sort of, they're, they're, they're trying to appeal to men, but they definitely got me. I don't know what a man's spot is. You watch football while someone rubs you. I, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm, I'm going for the legitimate experience. I'm not trying to get the Deshaun Watson on the menu, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go and have a great time this weekend in Austin.
1: It's an especially prickly pumice stone that they're killing all, or they're taking off all <laughs> the dry skin on the bottoms of your feet.
2: Yeah, because, like, the whole thing of, of being in a spa is that you're relaxed. And I feel the only thing with, like, man is, like, you're not relaxed at all. Like, it, 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 if you've ever been to a bar and you order something that's not, like, straight whiskey with a, a, a shot of fireball on top of it, people, people call you a wussy or something. I was trying to clean that word up for radio. Uh, but, yes, uh, uh, so I don't know how comfortable it's going to be. Either way, it'll be a story.
1: Feel free to use the language that you need to, Brad. I am uh, happy to record these because it allows me to censor, if need be, to uh, provide the proper bleeps. It's We're in a weird place as a society, though. We're seeing all these crossovers, man spas, and unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, a lot of women tuning into NFL games right now because of the Taylor <laughs> Swift effect. Are you uh, tired of seeing Tay-Tay at nationally televised games just yet?
2: Listen, man. uh, I'm a lifelong diehard Denver Broncos fan. So the most offensive thing to me about this about this NFL season is how the Broncos are playing. Uh, You you could show Taylor Swift, you could show a Selena Gomez, you could show whoever you want. Nothing will offend me more than than the results that uh, my Broncos have been having. Now we had a win this past week against the Bears, a nice comeback, but it's against the Bears the bears this year they like is any team has any other team been investigated by the fbi uh they've had uh, they've had wide star wide receivers just be like you know what i'm not showing up today you guys are crap like like what is happening with the sh- proud chicago bears they finally have a quarterback for the first time since god uh, jim mcmahon i don't know and then uh nothing is going right around him and now he now he doesn't look as good as we all thought so uh, yeah it, it, when they when people be like yeah the Broncos aren't that bad they beat the bears and I'm like okay that's not that's like if someone beats me in a race as a dwarf you should win okay like you should beat me in a race that's not much of an accomplishment okay?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I'm the guy who drafted Justin Fields on two different fantasy teams this year, and my backup quarterbacks are not good enough to bench him just yet. Now, he did have a good game against you guys on Sunday, but he was also responsible for two pretty bad turnovers in the second half that allowed you to pull off the comeback win that saw your team score 17 points. And I know Broncos fans, there's been a serious conversation that is now we're two seasons into this one as to whether or not Russell Wilson – should be the guy going forward. Where are you with that conversation, Brad?
2: To me, the Russell Wilson trade is about as successful as when the Native Americans traded for blankets. <laughs> to me, it, 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 it's right up there with that. I have friends that are like, well, this isn't the problem. It's always been the coaching. But it's like I'm not seeing too much that makes me think uh, it's going to turn around. Uh, if they want to tank for for Caleb Williams, I'm not going to be opposed to that. I mean, you're as a fan, you're not supposed to support tanking. But I don't know. I'm, a, I'm also I also went to USC. So I'm a USC fan. So I would love for Caleb Williams to get out, get on to the Broncos. And I feel like that's a situation where he would actually come out of college and not like if the Cardinals or the Bears got him where he might stay in USC for another year.
1: Yeah, we'll talk more USC here in just a second because I want to get your thoughts on Caleb Williams somehow playing even better this year, but your defense yeah. maybe even being a little bit worse too. So I want to get your yeah. gauge on that. I do need to ask you about this though since you are a Broncos fan. You sure. guys experienced a beatdown last weekend or two weekends <laughs> ago now, I guess, that few NFL fans have had to suffer through and that was losing to the Dolphins 70 to 20. Even if Russell yeah. Wilson is is the primary issue, he certainly wasn't the biggest issue on that day. That would have been your defense which was an absolute sieve it, for that Dolphins yeah. offense. At what point did you cut out of that game? Because there's no way you're sticking through to the end of the fourth quarter of that one. Oh,
2: thank God I, I was flying home that day. <laughs> so, and when I fly home, or when I fly anywhere, I turn my phone off. I don't get the Wi-Fi. I take the advantage and be like, you know what, I'm going to get cut out and fine i want that uh so i just landed and my phone blew up and, and i don't know if people thought i was coaching the game they people were texting me like what are you doing what's happening it's like i'm not in charge here uh but yeah um the amazing part about the broncos defense is that it's essentially the same personnel as it was last year and last year was a amazing defense it was just the offense that couldn't move the ball so uh if you see a the, the only thing that really changed was the coordinator. And um, I don't want to, I hate throwing guys under the bus because, you know, it, it, they're it, the, the, these are men, they have families, they are human beings, but man, Vance Joseph. I, I, uh, I remember one time Van, Van, Vance Joseph was the guy that everyone wanted to be their head coach. And he was the Broncos head coach for a second. And, uh, and then, wow, has it been a plummet since then? So, uh, I don't know if Vance needs to go back and just become a linebackers coach or something like that, but I don't know if a coordinator is, is in the cards for him.
1: Where does Josh McDaniels rank amongst your worst all-time head coaches? Josh
2: McDaniels. Let's see. He drafted Tim Tebow. Yep. And uh, and he had he had one win against Bill Belichick, and that and he beat the Patriots one time. But even if you go back to that game, th- this was really funny. Um, I mean, and by funny, I mean absolutely horrifying. Uh, <laughs> Josh McDaniels wins the game against the Belichick uh, Patriots. It happens to be a throwback game, so the Broncos are wearing like these orange—not not not, not orange—brown uh, and like yellow jerseys. They're horrible. Um, and then once he gets the win, McDaniels turns to to the to the Audience, and he does this wave that kind of looks like a salute that you would give in a German country in the 40s. Mm. Uh, it's it was horrifying. I, I I remember I watched it live. I'm like, no the hell is he doing? Uh, so that was interesting. Um, but yes, as a Bronco fan and as a Raider hater. Man, I love the fact that they got Josh McDaniels on that team. That is good.
1: He is stand-up comedian Brad Williams, headlining at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. Only tickets that remain are the late Friday, late Saturday shows. Grab those tickets, and for more info, go to capcitycomedy.com. Coming up, one more segment with Brad on the other side.
0: It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie.
1: Back with stand-up comedian Brad Williams headlining at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. Go to CapCityComedy.com for the tickets that remain. That's for the late shows on Friday and Saturday. All right, I've uh, I've asked you some tough Broncos questions based on your team not being very good over these last couple of years. So I, I yeah. do want to leave the Broncos conversation on a more positive note. What is your favorite sure. memory from rooting for this franchise, Brad?
2: Oh, my favorite memory. My dad took me to a game uh, in 1992. Uh, Broncos against the Cardinals it was my first time in the old Mile High Stadium. Uh, John Elway had a historic comeback that game, and I got to be there and I got to witness it. He won the game in the last seconds with a scramble around the edge. Yeah, I don't remember any details. Uh, but, yeah, it was that was my favorite memory. And just, of course, the three the three Super Bowls are yeah you I've th- thankfully I've had that in my lifetime so as much as I complain about what this team is doing currently um I could look and go you know what at least I'm not a Jets fan you know like at least I'm not a Browns fan at least I'm not you name your franchise Lions that that has been just historically bad uh that uh you know that, th- that those fan bases have had to suffer so I am happy with my Broncos fandom so far. I will keep it.
1: Well, another good example of that too is a franchise we talked about a little bit earlier, the Chicago Bears. That fan base is still clinging to that 1985 championship like it's going out of style. They haven't done squat. I know they made it to a Super Bowl back in the uh, the early part of this century before losing to the Peyton Manning-led Colts, who also helped get you one too, by the way.
2: Which I was at. I was at that game. And the best part about that game... Prince, that was the halftime show. That was Purple Rain in the Rain in Miami. That was amazing. That that's one of my best my best sports memories. Oh
1: my goodness.
2: Yeah, and that's that shows you what the Bears franchise has been. When the best memory of the of the last uh 40 years now is a game where most people don't even remember the Bears were the opponent, but they remember the halftime show. Devin Hester did run the initial kick back for a touchdown, which was exciting. But yeah, most people about that game just remember Prince, purple rain in the rain.
1: Yeah, Rex Grossman was not going to beat Peyton Manning that day. Okay, you talked earlier about the fact that you're a USC fan. Yeah, So it looks like you guys are back to... Pretty good times with Lincoln Riley as the head coach. Unfortunately, Alex Grinch is a bit of a problem right now. Despite Caleb Williams proving himself as the best player in college football these last couple of seasons, somehow better this year than last, uh, that defense is a problem right now. We saw it on display once again this last weekend, giving up the last 20 points of the game to the Deion Sanders-led Colorado Buffs. Are you confident that your team can win a championship this year, even with the defense playing as poorly as they have a lot of the time?
2: Well, I mean, the, the the thing is, like, Caleb has to think, okay, if I score sixty, we should be good. Like that's like that's his kind of mindset every game. Uh, the defense has been a little streaky, to say the least. I am worried about it. Uh, I know that Le- I, I know that Lincoln Riley kind of has the reputation <clears throat> of obviously being a quarterback whisperer and being these amazing amazing QBs come out of his system. But then once he gets to a big game, he, he kind of can't get over that hump. And it looks like that's what's going to happen again if he doesn't have, uh, if, if the defense doesn't somehow change the scheme. But as we're seeing in co- in college football, as the players are moving around like crazy, which I think is way more exciting, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of these coaches are getting more and more stubborn. I mean, I don't know if you've watched an Iowa game recently, Kirk, Kirk Ferentz, is still having his kid be the be the offensive coordinator, and it's like they are determined to not score more than 14 points in a game. Determined, uh, they had they had they had one where they this year where they had quite a few, but for the most part, it's horrible. So to go back to you, to the original question, yeah, I am a little worried about the defense. Caleb's gonna have to stay healthy. Caleb's gonna have to ball out, play out of his mind, and so far. I know I know everyone's so hesitant to give a second Heisman trophy winner to someone in the same you know back-to-back Heisman winners after since like like Archie Griffin was the last one to do it but I don't know who gets it over I mean the Washington quarterback maybe him um uh, I I don't think like I think Dion's kid, is good at quarterback i don't know if he's heisman worthy but uh yeah like right now caleb is just like if if, if you look at his stat line it is insane so uh yeah i'm i'm right now i think he's the winner of heisman trophy number two but if the defense doesn't change what they're doing uh that's i don't know how far they're going to go in uh into the playoff system
1: Yeah, you're right. Michael Penix is maybe the second best player in college football right now. Sling it around for Washington, but it is Caleb Williams award to lose once again. Quinn Ewers for Texas is playing pretty well right now. His stats have gotten good over the last few weeks too. But yeah, it's the Caleb Williams show for sure. And how about the shot?
2: How amazing is it that that at Texas they have this absolute stud for a quarterback, and then right there waiting in the wings is Arch Manning. Like, just right there, like, just as soon as this guy goes pro, you have Arch Manning, who uh, all the scouting reports that I've looked at are are like, no, he's he's the Manning. He's the Manning? After all? (laughs) Okay. Holy crap. He must be good.
1: All right, just a couple more questions for Brad Williams. Brad, yeah. uh, according to Wikipedia, and you have to take uh, everything that you read on Wikipedia at face value, you are a new dad sure. as of a couple years ago. Is that true? You have a kid? That is true.
2: That is true. Uh, uh, my daughter is currently in school. I will have to pick her up in about 15 minutes.
1: <laughs> so how is fatherhood so, yeah. going? Because you're uh, you're a dad of a three-year-old, if I'm reading correctly. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, th- three-year-old It's great. Um, uh, the, the only thing that is kind of a bummer is that, uh, we had a girl, so we can't share clothes because, uh, man, now I'm hitting up all my friends that have like, uh, little boys. And I'm just saying like, Hey, have they outgrown their Jordans yet? Can, can, can you throw the Jordans my way? But no, nah, uh, being a father to this little girl, she's amazing. She's wonderful. Uh, i am got nothing but praise and that goes mostly to my wife because I'm doing things like going out on the road to Austin, Texas, and performing at Cap City Comedy Club. And by the way, three of the shows are already sold out. So you got to get Excellent. tickets uh, just for the late shows on Friday and on, sar- on Saturday night. But, yeah, uh, I watch football with my daughter on, su- on Sundays. And uh, so far, so good. She She's getting into it. I don't know how I'll be able to make her be a Broncos fan. Uh, but, you know, because we live in a L.A. with two teams here. Uh, I'm okay if she becomes a Rams fan, but man, I just don't, I, I don't want her to be a Chargers fan. That's a tough life. <laughs> no.
1: Even Chargers fans don't want to be Chargers fans at this point, at least until Brandon <laughs> Staley is no longer there. All right, last question now, Brad, because I've been compiling a list of the unwritten rules at comedy clubs because comedy is going through a sort of golden era right now, which is awesome because you have a lot of new people going to comedy shows, but that means you have a lot of people who don't understand how to conduct themselves at comedy shows. From the audience side of things, there are some pet peeves that I have that I'm trying to explain to people, stop doing this. For instance, one pet peeve is if you do need to get up to go to the bathroom or leave your seat during the show – Try not to walk in front of people who are watching the stage, or if you do, duck, around, uh, duck down, so you're not impeding yeah. their ability to see the comic perform. For you as somebody on stage, what is an unwritten rule that you wish the crowd knew a little bit better?
2: Okay. One of the unwritten rules is uh, when a comedian makes a joke, uh, that is not the time to turn to your table and go, Oh my God, that's so true. Helen, he is, he is talking about you. Right there. I mean, you, you, you remember the time back and no. This, this is the rhythm of comedy. Laugh. Shut up. Laugh. Shut up. Laugh. Shut up. That is that is your job. It is very easy. It is not hard to do. But it is still amazing to me. Um, how many people uh, are unable to do that? Uh, don't order from across the room or across the table. Make sure the waiter or waitress comes near you. You're trying to keep. It is a live show. Uh, obviously, don't pull your phones out. Live in the moment. Uh, 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 don't don't record stuff. This is a magical time where we are in a room where there's no phones and we can say all the things that uh, that uh, that uh, we we don't want to worry about getting canceled as comedians. That, you know, taken, yes, taken out of context, certain things I say on stage, horrific. But if you know it's in, in the context of a comedy show, that's when it's supposed to be fun. And everyone there is agreeing that we are sort of signing this social contract that I'm that I'm making the jokes. No, they're not things that you would tell your preacher. Uh, and and we're, we're we're all fine with that. So, yeah, uh, order close to the waitress. Dude, laugh, shut up, laugh, shut up, laugh, shut up. And your note is very good. It's kind of like when you're on a crosswalk. Like if I'm in a car and I see someone going across the crosswalk, you don't have to like hoof it. You don't have to like do a sprint, but you do a little hurry run. Like, Hey, I give two craps. You know, you throw up your hand and you'll get like, okay, I'm going just a wee bit faster than I would. That's all you got to do. Get up, duck your head a little bit and just move at a little bit faster pace. Don't worry. Don't be like, oh, no, if I get up, the comedian's going to make fun of me and be like, hey, are you going to take a <laughs> Like, uh, no, we're not doing that. At least not – I don't do that and not not the comedians I hang out with. There will be free and easy at, uh at the Cap City Comedy Club uh, this weekend in Austin.
1: That's right. He is comedian Brad Williams, headlining Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. You heard the man. Only two shows have tickets left. That's a late show Friday, late show on Saturday, go to cap for tickets and more info and go to Brad Williams. Uh, let me double check that. Comedy. Before. Okay. And go to Brad Williams, for all the info on Brad, his current tour and every place else that you can find him as well. Brad, thank you so much for the time today, man. Really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, dude. Th- th- thank you so much for having me. And, uh, it, it, when Texas makes some more noise uh, in college football this year, feel free to have me on, and I'll and I'll cry big tears. It'll 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 be great.
1: Coming up, and where are we at in society? It is an NFL Week Four edition of Where We At.
0: It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. It's Sports Day Plus
1: with Trey Elling. Final segment of the show means it's time for.
0: Where are we at in society today?
1: That's right. It is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. And you know what? Today is that day. Now, this is going to be dependent on what else is happening on my Tuesday shows to start each week. And I say to start each week. Because even though Monday obviously starts most work weeks, my first time to broadcast after the football weekend through the Cowboys season won't be until Tuesday. Which is why you're going to get a little bit more Longhorn football recap to start the shows. And perhaps, depending on whether or not there is a guest on a Tuesday show like there was a little bit earlier with comedian Brad Williams. Check him out at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend, capcitycomedy.com. It means that I need to take the opportunity to look back on the NFL weekends, where I am normally mocking human stupidity here in the Where We At In Society segment. So with that said, we do turn our attention to NFL Week 4. And the numerous storylines heading into the weekend, selfishly starting in the state of Texas, where the two Texas teams, other than a week one dud for Houston and a week three dud for the Dallas Cowboys, have been playing pretty darn good football this year. The Cowboys, starting up in Big D, they get back on track in a big way with a Week 4 win over the New England Patriots, the listless New England Patriots, too, by the way, and handing Bill Belichick his worst loss as the Patriots head coach. The final score in that one was 38-3, to and like much has been the case... For their now three wins this year, their other two wins, I should say, the Cowboys offense didn't even need to do a whole lot for the blowout margin of victory because the defense was so darn good, once again. Not only containing the New England offense, which, by the way, Patriots fans know this. If you haven't been watching Patriots football the last couple of years, mac Jones, he ain't it. Certainly unfair to try and compare him to Tom Brady. But even... Looking at him as a potential playoff caliber quarterback, he's not the answer, at least in my opinion, and they don't have very good receivers around him either. Bill Belichick, the GM, has failed Bill Belichick, the head coach, because Bill Belichick, the GM, is continuing to try and get away with rolling a bunch of number two, three, and four wide receivers out there for his quarterbacks to cook with. Tom Brady could get away with it, especially with a guy as dominant as Rob Gronkowski at tight end, and occasionally they would bring in a Randy Moss, but the group that he has right now is not doing Mac Jones any favors, and they're also a very undisciplined football team too, so Bill Belichick, the coach, seems to be a shell of himself now too, but this Dallas Cowboys defense will do that to a lot of offenses. Bill O'Brien coached offense for New England too, if you want one more reason to shudder. And not only did the Cowboys defense shut down the Pats offense, they were also scoring points too, forcing turnovers and scoring points on defense and special teams, making things much easier for Dak Prescott and company. So that's the Cowboys side of things. And the Houston Texans, how about the Texans taking it to the Pittsburgh Steelers, 30 to six. D'Amico Ryan's. Looks like an outstanding hire in H-Town right now. And yeah, CJ Stroud, for the questions surrounding him, heading into the draft last April, at least through the first month of the season, he is giving pretty authoritative answers as to whether or not he was the right guy to draft at two. C.J. Stroud is far and away the best rookie quarterback so far. I don't want to hear it. Colts fans with Anthony Richardson. He has surprised a lot of people, me included, but he's still got a ways to go as a passer. C.J. Stroud is the real deal right now. And count me amongst those who was very wrong about Nico Collins and his prospects as an NFL wideout. I did not think Nico Collins even had number 2 wideout in him, but he looks to be a potential number 1 for this offense right now. Tank Dell doing a good job. It's a rookie wide out, out of Houston. And the Houston Texans embarrass the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are pathetic on offense right now. A lot of the blame is going on Matt Canada, as it should. But you have to ask some legitimate questions about Kenny Pickett right now, too. And I'm also in the category of people that believes we need to see a little bit more Jalen Warren than Najee Harris at running back too. Najee may just fall in line with, as another one of those Alabama guys who maybe deals with a bit of overuse in his time in Tuscaloosa. And we see, start to see that well dry up when he gets to the NFL. It looked like he had some potential as a rookie, but years two and three have left a lot to be desired. And for me, selfishly, with my fantasy team, teams, I should say, both of them having George Pickens, because I know how special a talent he is at wide receiver, seems like a lot of waste going on right now. But you also have to give credit to the Texans defense for doing that job. And the Texans offensive line, too, by the way, they have been great at protecting CJ Stroud, allowing him to sit back and find his open receivers, even without Laramie Tunzel. Their Pro Bowl left tackle, all pro left tackle, still finding ways to get it done. They're dealing with some other injuries on that offensive line too, but that group has really come together and they are playing competitive football. This is reminiscent of watching teams like Dan Campbell's Lions a couple of years ago, where I think they finished the year with four or five wins, but you looked at that team and the fight they exhibited and how many games they were in before suffering soul crushing losses. And you say to yourself, this is a team that is going to be a force to be reckoned with at some point. That may be sooner rather than later for the Texans for all we know. The big matchup of the weekend was the Buffalo Bills hosting the Miami Dolphins after Miami scores 70 on Denver and beating Sean Payton by 50 points, 70 to 20. I expected Miami to keep that pace up, but credit to this Bills defense for slowing them down while also doing their best Dolphins impression or maybe just doing their best Bills impression. For all the questions asked about Josh Allen last season, the turnovers were an issue, and also just erratic play was an issue as well. And then they suffered that really disappointing upset loss to the Jets on Monday Night Football in Week 1 after Aaron Rodgers goes down to the injury. They've bounced back nicely and have been dominant over the last three weeks. And that continues once again in that divisional matchup with the Dolphins on Sunday. Bills beat the Dolphins by nearly 30, 48-20. Josh Allen, 21 of 25. 320 yards, four touchdowns. Pretty pedestrian on the ground for the Bills, but they didn't need it because Josh Allen was so good through the air. And despite the fact that it seemed like there was trouble brewing between Steph Diggs and his current team in the offseason, he is a diva wide receiver after all, and we know how those guys like to make it all about themselves. Steph is playing really well to start the season. And Sunday was no different. Six catchers, 120 yards, and three touchdowns. Got all but one of the targets thrown his way. So it looks like the Bills, to go along with the Kansas City Chiefs, you certainly can't slight them at this juncture, and the Philadelphia Eagles, who did a good job outlasting the Washington Commies in overtime on Sunday. That game was at, in Philly, but it took the Eagles into overtime to actually win this game with a field goal. That's a bit of a testament to Sam Howell. And I was questioning how much love he was receiving in the preseason. He showed some gamer moments in that matchup with the Eagles. And Washington tends to play Philly tough. Even when they are the lesser team. How about the Chicago Bears? What a disaster that is in the Windy City right now. The Bears are... Over on the season, over four now, and they had a victory that I won't say was automatic heading into halftime on Sunday, but they were up twenty one to nothing, and Justin Fields was having a career day. And then it all comes crashing down for them in the second half, including allowed Denver to score seventeen points in the fourth quarter. And Matt Eberflus should receive a ton of the blame here because he called a terrible game and made a poor decision to go for it on fourth down when they could have kicked a field goal to take a lead to try and grind more time off the clock and hopefully eventually score a touchdown late in the fourth quarter. But some of the blame falls on Justin Fields too. Despite the career day, I was watching this one. Justin Fields is my fantasy quarterback in two leagues. Yes, that's how stupid I am. Justin Fields had two really bad turnovers in the second half of this game that hurt his team. And so as a result, the Denver Broncos get their first win of the season with a, forget if it was a last-second field goal or not, but they end up winning it 31-28. to 28. And that is it for our look at Week 4 of the NFL. Thank you so much, to everybody, for tuning in today to the inaugural edition of Sports Day Plus. I'll be back tomorrow at 6. That includes a two-segment conversation with Justin Wells of InsideTexas.com. In the meantime, have yourselves a great rest of the evening and hook them.
0: It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling.